What's up, folks? This is a very unique type of podcast interview. It's not even my conversation. This is a friend of the show, Adam Witt, a.k.a. Omnivorous Adam. You might recognize that name because at the end of my 2021 playbook video, I said, Adam Witt, a.k.a. Omnivorous Adam, is going to blow up in 2021, and you love to see it. Our relationship started back when Adam found my content online, became a Patreon supporter, and we ultimately ended up doing some coaching together. And what that's transpired into is him creating his own own brand online. He's doing a lot of really fantastic, what I call learning in public. He's not just learning more about food, but he's learning about media production and brand building and marketing and client negotiation and all the amazing things that come along with being so a solo creator in the creator economy. And part of this is him creating a series or a video on his own channels all about knife sharpening. He seems to have gotten a lot of value from me on my whole knife sharpening series that most of you know about on the YouTube channel. It's linked down below if you haven't check that out already. But when Adam reached out and wanted me to be a part of this video, I thought, you know, instead of me reading either something from a script that I prepare or you thinking that you have to kind of cram everything into just a quick soundbite from me, what if you just interview me, ask me all the questions that you have, and then you can have like a huge backlog of content. You can cherry pick the best pieces that work best for your video. And then, you know, if he's having questions, I can imagine more people have these questions. And so why don't we take that interview? I can make it into an episode of the Emulsion Podcast, and then we can just kind of cross-pollinate, if that makes sense. So I definitely recommend that all of you folks check out Adam if you haven't already. And if the reverse applies and you are a big fan of Adam's and you're just hearing about me, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm a big fan of our conversation because I share a lot of my thoughts on things that I haven't shared on knife sharpening before, and just some interesting analogies that I try to keep in mind as I'm teaching someone who is going from that kind of zero position. You've never sharpened a knife before. It seems really intimidating. You don't want to screw up your knife, or a lot of the terminology just doesn't seem to click in your brain. And my overall hope is that the combination of my knife sharpening series, Adam's amazing video, and then this interview will give you at least some foundational knowledge. I notice I don't say foundational experience because it's your job now to take this knowledge and hopefully deploy it by getting some stones, getting some knives, and trying your hand at it. I did actually ask my editor to leave a lot of the behind-the-scenes conversation in this interview so that you can get a little bit of the behind-the-curtain of what it's like when you're producing an interview like this. And so, yeah, hopefully that makes it all the more real and, you know, raw, and you can just kind of get a sense of how I approach producing content as well. So with that, I hope you folks enjoy this, and I'll throw it over to Adam. My, honestly, like, everything else in my life, hobby-wise, is just, like, put on hold. Yeah. Like, it's, all I um, do is, all I do is cook and, like, people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I cook. They're like, yeah, and I'm like, no, that's, like, literally all I do every day, all day. It's all I think about. It's all I fucking think about. It's, like, filming cooking videos. Well, it shows, man. Like you've been, I put it at the end of my, uh, I put it at the end of my 2021 playbook article. I said, Adam Witt is going to blow up and you love to see it. And it's like, I just wanted to put it there as like placeholder thing. Cause I'm, I'm proud of it, man. Like it's, it's awesome to see. And like, congratulations for all the success. I will listen. I thank you. Uh, but also, you know, there's just a long way to go and I definitely don't feel like I've arrived. And I'm not just like saying that to like be, you know, a corny sort of like self, you know, help guy, but it's true. I don't know, but it's been fun. It's, it's the, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. I mean, it can be stressful, which I'm also, I'm super stoked. You're happy. You're here to help with this. And, uh, because as I told you before, I was like super, super kind of like, I was letting this get 
to me and I was like overthinking everything and I'm trying to like make, you know, cut from concept to what I want to share with people. It was all sort of this like big culmination of things. So I'm glad we found a way that we can sort of both get like a benefit out of it and also just have a cool conversation about knives, you know? Well, the thing I'm impressed with by you and the thing that I wish that I did more is like you're learning in public with like all the stuff you're doing, right? Like not just the content production, but it's like your journey to get better at cooking is like, you, you, you approach it or you present it in this way that's like, I'm learning how to do this. And I think it's also the way that you're approaching this knife video. So um, yeah, like what questions do you have for me? How can I help? Like, I'm happy to give like a quick intro on like my whole philosophy behind knives and sharpening too, because it, I'm in the same, I'm in the same camp, you know, like I interview like people who make the most expensive handmade custom knives in the world on my podcast. And then it's also like, I've spoken to people who sharpen knives for a living. I'm very much in the camp of like, I approached it as a utilitarian. I just needed my knives sharp to work in restaurants. You know, like I didn't, I don't have any desire to like be the best commenter on the forums of like, or I have the most expensive knife collection. Like that's not, that's not me. Um, but I also am opinionated about the fact that like, I think you should enjoy using the tools that you use every day. Um, Every single fire in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah so it's like, exactly. it, doesn't make sense. it doesn't make sense not to it. Let me. Dude, we might have, we might butt heads on this Ooh, one. Uh oh. <laughs> this is just like, a, it's like a cult thing. And it's, it's not a cult thing. It's, it's just the most uh, marketed brand in Seattle. And so it's like, this is the Everywhere. cheapest, this is the Everywhere. cheapest sparkling water that you can buy. Yeah. And so it's not like I actually have a preference. I shared this in my newsletter the other week is like, it's not that I actually enjoy soda. I just like sparkling things. And so it's like the flavor doesn't actually matter to me. I just buy like four flavors at a time. And uh, I just like having a beverage to drink. It's have you strange. ever met anyone who calls it La Croix? Like mm -hmm. actually, like really the worst, like, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's same vibe of people who say like uh, they order things at a restaurant and they, they, and they add an it, accent. Yeah. <laughs> you're like Sp spaghetti and you're like dude why are, you, why are you saying it like that i'm not even sure that's how you really say it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're just like editing yeah. stuff. oh my god yeah. so funny well yeah man i have some stuff written down just that we can sort of riff off of so uh the idea here is that i broke it down let me pull up my knives one one okay so i broke it down in a into uh into different sections. So I first start by talking, uh, start the video by talking about the anatomy of a knife, what it is, common materials. I go into a bit about carbon versus stainless steel. Then I go into a bit about like the bevel, why it matters, ratio versus angle, that type of thing. And then after, and then after that, I go into sort of this sharpening theory where I talk about what exactly sharpening is, how it's removing metal. And the four, um, what I kind of broke down into four, um big components of what sharpening is and like how to do it properly and those are angle pressure consistency and the importance of the burr so angle pressure consistency and burr and um i think i mentioned a little bit of this to you but maybe what we can do is just kind of like have a general like conversation where we just sort of like go you know kind of spitball about different topics and then i can edit in whatever i need to to the final piece um, and you can do the same on your end if you want to keep this part of the conversation in or not, whatever. No, I kind of um, like it. Like this is like content creator behind the scene 
it's cool. It's cool. So yeah, wherever you want to start, like I'm happy to I'm happy to chat through any of it. And you know, you know me, I can just riff on stuff. So yeah, man, cool. Right on. Okay, so let's begin with talking a little bit about carbon versus stainless steel knives. Um, in my research, I've kind of uh, um, in, in the video that I'm making again, it's it's beginner it's beginner centric. So I'm trying to take all this information that I've read about and that I've just picked up from you and other people and sort of condense it down into what I think is important for a beginner to understand, to start getting a, a grip on the whole universe of, of knives. So uh, in my research, I found that carbon, and correct me if I'm wrong or jump in whenever you want to, but I, I found that stainless steel is generally, now there's a lot of different kinds of stainless and carbon, but stainless steel is generally softer than carbon, which means that sure, it's a little easier to sharpen, but it might not hold its edges long. Uh, and, and because of that, you probably don't want to sharpen it too, too razor thin on like a 90-10, uh, getting ahead of myself here, but you know what I mean. And then carbon, on the other hand, uh, a lot of you know professional cook chefs and just knife nerds in general really think it, it's cool because it you can sharpen it razor thin and it it's going to hold that edge longer than a stainless might sharpened at the same bevel ratio. So... so yeah, the, the way I think about both of them, if you had to put them both in like two columns and then do like pros and cons of each, like it doesn't get presented all that frequently. So and so I, I will sometimes think about it working backwards from the sense of, you know, insert anybody who is making knives 300 years ago, right? And carbon as a as a metal to use to make blades, say that was your only option, right? There's a bunch of problems that come with a carbon steel knife from the sense of, like you said, it's it's incredibly hard, which works in getting a a bevel ratio that's gonna that can get like you said razor razor thin, which you know gets felt as sharpness when you're cutting through things. The error with the the problems I suppose that arrive that arise from that is, it's very hard. It's also brittle. And so if you're, you know, a, someone in Japan who used to make, your family used to make swords and you just needed a sword that would be able to, you know, kill somebody, you know, if it has like those little chips in it, in the entire length of the sword blade, it still can do its job from, from, from that sense. Right. But, but when you're talking about a blade, that's a petty knife, you know, you know, maybe 150 millimeters long, any of those little chips as you're going through a bunch of chives, like you're going to feel that, you know, and, and, and that results in a really, and it also decreases the, 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 the likelihood that that knife is going to stay nice in, in the long run. Cause once you get that little chip, like you don't have that much steel to work with to kind of like smooth that out. And so the, the kind of like jump into people wanting to create more knife, kitchen knife friendly metal alloys really came into the forefront, I, I would say, to probably acknowledge a bunch of these other problems. But as you as you said, there's trade-offs, right? So because you don't have the hardness, um, you can't get as thin of a as thin of a um, as thin of a bevel, as thin of an edge on your knife because it just it 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 can you can get there, but it's not gonna hold because it's that that softness that comes with things like stain resistance, um, or like you said, it, ease of sharpening. Um, and, and that's why I'm saying there's trade-offs to both. But then I constantly come back to this idea of like, what is it for? You know, like people can brag about like they have the sharpest knife on, 
that they bought the they bought the knife that can get the 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 finest edge in the world but then it's like there's a lot of people who buy those knives and they just sit in their drawer you know it's like or they just hang up and they and they never sharpen them so exactly it's like, yeah it's and so my question was always like what is like do an analysis of like how much do you end up using your knife knife what do you use it for uh, from the sense of like, I use, I do a lot of fish butchery. I cut a lot of alliums, right? Like I tell the story of, I had a roommate who did his internship at Momofuku and he had to cut like something ridiculous, like 18 bunches of scallions a day, uh, for his job. And so he needed a knife that would hold up to that. And he had his like stainless steel, something, something, and it just wouldn't, it, it just couldn't ha hold up to, to just, but, but what he liked about it was that it was soft enough so that he could hone it every like four bunches of chives and the edge would come right back, um, which is a different, you know, beast entirely with carbon steel knives. And so the the, the trade-offs that you get just need to be acknowledged. I don't think that it's a situation of, like, one is going to be better than the other. And it's like a debate thing that people say, no, and then they slam their fist down and they say, this is the best one, uh, period, as if that there's this blanket statement that, that covers everybody and everything. And I, I just think it's silly. Like, look look at them both as, as beneficial levers that you can pull to decide like oh for my butchery knife for how i cut or for specific tasks um this is the one that i'm going to choose because xyz so would you would you is it safe to say and this is kind of doing exactly what you hate and putting a blanket term on something sure. but is it safe to say for something tangible to take away for a beginner for somebody first buying their first knife i know you love the misono ux10 i do too but less about Misono, more about, do you think stainless steel is the is a good route for a beginner cook? Yeah, a thousand percent. I, I actually mm -hmm. recommend that people, like, I, I harp on the Victorinox Fibrox Pro as an amazing starting knife for people because it's a, it's a, it's a $30 to $40 knife. The steel is hard enough where you can reasonably feel like you can get an edge on it. Like, you can get it sharp enough where you, you can feel like, oh, yeah, this is what a sharp knife feels like. But it's soft enough the steel is soft enough where you actually feel like you can do some of the things that we're going to talk about. I'm sure later in this conversation, like kick up a burr. Um, you know, you can, you can, it, it's reasonably wide of a knife. So you can, you can reasonably like experiment with doing different um, blade bevel ratios on it as well. And so I don't actually recommend that people get like their first knife being this incredibly hard and brittle, you know, carbon steel knife that, you know, may or may not be expensive or not, depending on if you go like, you know, blue steel, white steel, whatever you decide to go with. Yes, that might feel nice to say that you bought this whole thing, but it's almost like this. Um, I play tennis a lot. I, I think you and I have had conversations about this. And there's this this sense in tennis, it's it's racket head size and they do it based on square inches. And so most people start with like a head size that's like 100 inches plus like 110 inches because you have so much bounce potential and the sweet spot is so big on a tennis racket that size that you can just focus on getting your strokes down and then roger federer play at the height of his whole you know playing career he was playing with a 93 inch racket or 90 inch racket which in the tennis world is just like insane like that's so small and your margin for error is so small and I just think of it like people buying their first carbon steel knife is like people buying Federer's racket on their first day on the court. You know, it's like, sure, you have the right, you have the, you have an amazing tool, but it's like, if you have no idea how to use it or take care of it, it's, it's kind of a like, it's, it's, it's a bit of a waste, you know, like, and, and you're not giving yourself the potential to learn. Um, 
So yeah, I guess there, there there's zero reason. And there's this fallacy that people think that they can't get a stainless steel knife sharp. And it's just, it's just incorrect. Like, sure. Maybe you can, oh, maybe you no, can't it. do the rate. Maybe you can't do the bevel ratio that you could with a carbon knife, but to say that it's not sharp, like, again, what is it for? Like, what are you, what are you cutting that you can't cut with a perfectly sharpened fresh edge Misono UX 10? Whatever that is, it's it, 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 you're talking about like bones or something, which you shouldn't even be carving with like a guto or a chef's knife. Or so. it's like I, I can't I can't do the the I can't do t- twenty uh, horizontal tomato slices in a row for Instagram. It's like, <laughs> why are you buying a knife again? Uh, like uh, remind you, you me. Can. I'm gonna jump in and say that you totally can. I did it yesterday with my misono. Boom. So it's, <laughs> boom, it's done. There, there's your answer. <laughs> Um, Hey, really quick. So I'm looking at the camera right now and I have a big picture of your crispy, beautiful camera and a little one up top of me. Are you looking at me? Am I the main chunk of your screen right now? Uh, ish. Do you want me to look more at the lens? No, no. I I was going to ask if you could highlight yourself more, but if we're both equal, that's fine too. So you're going to get two separate files. One oh, is going to okay. be just me. One is going to be just you and you can play around with it. However it works. That's like, the... like you. Yeah. 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 Do my face the whole video you know totally, what I mean? totally. like yeah, yeah all right yeah. Cool. yep right on dude okay so we we briefly touched a little bit about bevel on there and when i was doing research and stuff and after you know reviewing and watching your videos it was cool to go back to because i remember watching those when i was first learning about knives and now it's like two years later three years later whatever and like i'm doing the same thing so i was just like you know trying to conglomerate all this information again and I really wanted to stay away from using at talking about any specific angle numbers in my video because I think that it's intimidating. It can get really confusing. I don't feel comfortable talking about it on like a crazy nerdy level like that. So I'm just curious what, what I recommended in my video is that when talking about bevel, we talk more about ratio than angle. Um, I almost want, I want to ask you maybe like just to clarify for me sort of like what the relationship between angle and bevel might be but I also don't know if I should just like stay away from that. We can just talk about it, I guess. Um, but the importance of bevel and sort of, you know, between a, a beefier 50-50, a mid-grade 70-30, and then of course your 90-10s. And I was also going to ask if you have a 90-10 that you can show the camera totally. because um, I don't have one. <laughs> just reaches right within, you don't yeah, even yeah, have to. Yeah. Okay, so 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 to, to not... I know that you know some of us chefs didn't do the best in in math class, but I'm gonna do a bit of a, a, a I'm gonna do a bit of a, a geometry kind of like visual because it, it it helps and you know maybe you you decide to throw something up on the screen whether or not you do it doesn't really matter the 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 bevel is side of the knife is your is kind of like your 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 starting place and and you can see on this one very drastically where that kind of that bevel starts. It's that place where the shading changes. Sorry for everybody that's audio only for the emulsion listeners. Then there's also the place where the knife is going to touch the board. That's like the edge edge. This, the kind of like the, the, the place between those two points is, is the bevel often called, um, the edge, like in, in a lot of my videos, I would call it kind of like the, the blade is what I would call it in, in my videos kind of to a fault. Like I had people commenting yeah. saying it's called a bevel. It's not called a, a, right. an edge or, or the blade. It's not called the blade. Cause I would say the blade side and the non blade side often, um, just cause I, I, that helped me think about it a little bit better. Um, 
the, the, the way that you develop this is often called a shinogi. That's another thing that people will often say. And, and even on your kind of like non-exaggerated uh, blades, you can see this um, where as you're sharpening up and down the blade, you'll see this section that's like the, the, the side of the knife and then, and then the shinogi or the bevel. That's almost – so the depending on how wide – the the spine of the knife is this is reasonably thick if you have you know your ux10 it's going to be much thinner than this the the angle of the side of the blade down to where the knife meets the board or the edge that's your angle and so on this knife in particular this side does not have a bevel this side has almost a hundred percent of the bevel like and and when i sharpen this I'll, I'll kick up a little bit on this side and that's why i use this as kind of like a 90 10 example um because i will kind of like form a little bit of a bevel on this side just to give this a little bit more uh heft so it doesn't kind of curl over as much but the the reason that i i talk about um everybody knows that that your mandolin is probably like the sharpest object that you interact with on the on, on the most frequent basis when you're starting out in in professional kitchens, and the reason for that is is it it, it is an example of that like heavily weighted ratio to one side of the blade. You know, if you look at your mandolin, if you're playing along at home, and you flip the cover open and you look, you can see that there's like it, it looks like a cross section of a yanagi knife. Uh, just kind of like inserted into this piece of plastic and 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 it's it's done in that way because it's incredibly you can get it incredibly sharp if you ever look at um like razors like you know for the gentlemen out there who shave their face with like a single blade razor those are also structured in that way because you can get the sharpest edge on a ratio that is more leaning towards keeping the bevel on one side of the blade the reason that i now there's certain people who, you know, they're browsing Corin or they're on JapaneseKnifeImports.com and you might see that there's a there's a bevel ratio or sometimes it's called a blade ratio on certain knives where, where it, it, it goes away from that 50-50 edge. That 50-50 bevel ratio was popularized with like old school French and German knives, like those very European-centric right. knives that were super thick, yeah, super beefy. Um, and they were they were made that way because when you have equal support on either side it's and it's thicker it's much less likely that it's going to curve one way or another and that edge just holds up naturally longer over time now there's certain people who look at that 50 50 edge and they look at the 90 10 and the, and again this is back to those trade-offs right like back to the trade-offs on, e on each one and certain people say well i want the sharpness of the single bevel or the you know the asymmetric bevel the 90 10 but I want the edge lasting, the long lasting edge capacity of, you know, a more 50-50 edge. And so that's when you started to see people, and I'm going to bring my, I'm going to bring my prop back, where, where they would say, you know, what if I, what if I actually brought up a little bit more of an edge on, on the, my non-bevel side, and I actually made a bevel on this side? I don't recommend doing that with a knife like this, because the, just the structure of it and the way that it's ground, you're really going to screw up. Uh, the way that this knife feels by doing something like that, you're much better off going with something like this. So this is like, this is a Suisun Enox knife. Um, this, I think, comes out of the box as an 80-20 bevel or 70-30 uh, bevel, which is incredibly rare. Most knife makers won't do this for you 
because uh, it just doesn't, if you don't know how to take care of a knife like this, and, you know, we're probably talking to the 10% of people who are actually going to deep dive into creating their own edge on the on these sorts of knives. And so what this knife it does bevel-wise is that there's a, there's a large percentage of the bevel here, but you do it super, um, you don't actually kick up that much of an edge on the opposing side of the knife. And so what that does is that that gives you theoretically the best of both worlds where you can get incredibly thin of an edge and the knife has to be made to handle that that type of adjustment um and you're not so skewed on having a single bevel where it's it you know you're you're going to get through your second project on your board and you're going to be like well my edge is completely gone you know and and the other thing that I'll add is like you if you're going to do these asymmetric edges you have to be prepared like you, your steel makeup has to be good enough to handle it, and if it's not, like you'll you'll know. Um, I often tell the story of like when I started, I uh, I I got it mixed up, I got it screwed up in my mind where it's like I I put the sixty on the forty side, and then I put the forty on the sixty side on all my knives, and I had to go backwards. You know, I had to I had to switch it back the other way because I was like, oh, I I totally did this wrong. Um, and, and and so I hope that's like that's that's like a decent primer as far as uh, you know bevels go and 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 that's why I talk about like that visual of draw the line from the from the knife the side of the knife down and then that's your starting point where you start to see that shinogi go and then wherever that you know and this is so microscopically small that most of us don't actually visualize this and so talking about angles like that's the angle by which you need to press it on the stone and then and then go with it that's difficult to articulate to people because um it's it's i mean we're on this knife specifically we're talking about like on the on the bevel side it's about a millimeter and on the non like on the 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 lesser of the ratio it's like a third of a millimeter man and so it's like you never get down that close to the knife look underneath the stone and you, you can't you you don't see those things and so it's that's why I suggest people to do my my trick with the pennies, where you you put a couple of coins, whatever currency you're using. I know you have a global audience, so you 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 use that as a base, and that flicks your knife up, usually at and and this is like heavily debated, and it changes every single knife. People say that you know you, you'll you'll start with like a 15 degree angle, and if you kind of like again think geometry, you know 15 degrees is is pretty shallow. 90 degrees is obviously like straight up, right? And then you do your 45 degree angle. That's a little bit too like, that's a little bit too harsh. Most people generally say that there's between 15 and 25 degrees is about where you want to be for sharpening angles. And again, this is incredibly contextual. Don't make it like, I would say blanket statements are are tricky to make because, you know, you might have a super thick thick boy you know if you're if you're sharpening a deba you know that almost feels like on the bevel side it feels like a 45 degree angle like it's so thick like you're so up on the edge yeah, yeah. and then, and then it, yeah and then if and then if you're talking about like if you're talking about this guy you know when i'm on the non-bevel side like i'm near flat against the stone you know like i'm near flat like not to a point where i'm scratching the side of the knife but it's like, I'm pretty flat, you know? So that's less than 15 degrees in theory. And so it's like, how do you, how do you tell someone a proper angle 
that you need to use every single time when it changes every single knife blade, which is which is part of the challenge and part of the reason why I'm so glad that, you know, like, reason I wanted to put out educational content, reasons I'm happy you're putting out educational stuff because you don't you don't want the click a button and do it. You want to actually develop knowledge. You know what I mean? You need to like get the whole idea of all these concepts and put them together over. But it, that does take time. And the reason I wanted to make this video is to give again. I keep feel like I'm repeating myself. People a starting a starting place, and it's hard because I feel like to get your start, I kind of want to share these easy to conceptualize blanket sort of ideas behind what the techniques that I'm sharing to make it more digestible for the for the beginner. You know what I mean? Totally. But I know through this conversation, talking with you through my own research, that it goes a lot deeper than that. And I, I continuously mention that throughout the video. I hope uh, my knife nerds out there will spare me a little bit, but uh, also I don't give a shit. So <laughs> can I swear? Can I swear? Can I yeah, swear? A thousand percent. So, yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, you know, come at me. But uh, I, I think overall that this this video, is, it's hope it's been coming together. I mean, I was just sitting down and editing, editing it a bit um, before before hopping on this call with you and trying to put together what I want to talk about. And I don't know what that's going to be yet. So I'm glad we're just kind of hitting everything because I, I want to weave you in somewhere where it makes sense. Yeah. I um, want to give you as much cool. footage as possible. The thing, the last thing that I'll add on, on angles really quickly is that I don't know if you've come across those like machines that set the angle for you in your research. There's ones that, that, you know, no. you, you clip your knife into, into this machine. It's like a mechanical arm. And based on how you set the arm, that sets your angle for that specific side of the knife. I and feel like I've seen that. They attach to your counter. Exactly. Exactly. They're so weird. They're yeah. So they're, yeah. And, and, and what's weird is it's not, it's not completely horizontal. You know, a lot of these do like vertical, you know, passes on a stone or, or whatever mechanism they use. And what it, what it, what it can do is it can be, if you have a UX 10, uh, a a 240 millimeter Misono UX10, and you take it out of the box, and the person at the store tells you, this is the angle that you need to set on this machine, with this grit, and this is the pressure, and whatever. Like it's very very like it's an algorithm, right? Right? Like they're giving you the rules of the algorithm. You can put that knife into that machine. And you can bust out the same exact angle every single time you use that um, that machine. Now, if, if if that works for you and that's what you want to do, it's going to be an amazing tool for you. The issue that I have with it is that the second that that tool gets removed, or you're not you you get called to do a guest chef dinner in Houston or Atlanta or San Francisco, and you don't have your fancy thing, and your knife you know gets completely beat to shit, and you can't seem to 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 you know use a stone. You have no conceptual knowledge of how the angle of that knife works. And so it, it almost feels like, you know, you know, call it like Tesla autopilot or call it, you know, like, you know, like too much simulation driving or too much, you know, like um, someone uh, uh, driving, driving it for you. And I don't feel like you actually get learned. It's incredibly effective. Like it's, it's consistent the every single time. Yeah. It's the same reason why you like want to learn probably to knead by hand before you start using the stand mixer. Exactly. You know, you want, you want to feel for what you're doing so that when you use that stand mixer, that efficient tool that is so amazing that I use all the time, you know what you're looking for. You know, you know how it feels without touching it. 
Yep. So, and, and if you don't know how yeah. to calibrate your edge on machines like that, it, 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 it can really be harmful. And, and, and the other, the last thing I'll add, because I know we want to move on is that, um, you'll often see those clip on, um, angle adjusters for knives sometimes that can work great. The issue that I have with it is sometimes it can beat up your stone. If you're not used to figuring out where the, where the angle happens to be and you push that angle uh, finder thing into your stone you'll dig up like a scratch in your stone and that's pretty harmful number one so that's why i like the pennies because you set your angle you figure out where the muscle memory is you take the pennies off the stone and then that's where you keep your finger going back and forth i'm glad you said muscle memory that that leads me to my to my other section of the four important sharpening concepts which is consistency so um consistency like the way i described it was you have to worry about your angle you have to worry about your pressure, which we will talk about. And then we have to worry about consistency in the burr. So consistency is talking about the consistency that you have within that angle and that pressure, right? So it's kind of like a, it talks about everything because the more consistent you are with your movements, with your angle and with your pressure, the more sharp your knife is going to be over time, which is tough because you don't have that muscle memory at first, but with practice, you'll develop it. Um, that's sort of like what I think of as consistency. And I think it's worth it. it it, it kind of, there's a level of consistency that you need in every section of what we're talking about. I think the other point that doesn't get talked about enough is the idea of consistently wearing your stone down. So I worked with a, I worked with a guy at a butcher shop for a, a while when I was living in California and he would sharpen knives one day a week at the butcher shop for customers. And he had this incredible knowledge of angles and working with different knives and he was like an old school sabatier collector like he just loved these old school french you know knives that were anyways he but the thing that irked me about him was that he spent in his entire time sharpening in the lower third of the stone and so he would just kind of do these little micro movements back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and he's like, I'm so fast at sharpening. And then you look at his stones and they look like skateboard ramps. You know what I mean? And so it's like there's an element of consistency that also comes with like using the entire stone. A lot of it's, it's counterintuitive because you think that it's like, oh, well, I'm doing these long passes. Like more time spent on that push is actually like it's, it's going to be faster for you. And it's going to be, to your point, more consistent because if your stone is consistently flat, there's not scratches, there's not these little like divots or, or, or curves in your stone. Like what a, what a way to sabotage yourself by thinking that you have the angle right, but there's this one little inch of your stone where there's a curve in it. And so every time you pass the blade over that curve, your angle is changing, right? Whether you like it or not, because like geometrically, like as that blade goes over that piece of rock, you're keeping the knife angle the same, but the angle of the stone is changing, you know? So that's not consistent just by definition. And so, um, yeah, completely agree with you from the sense of hammering home consistency from the sense of what is that, um, that phrase? It's like, um, uh, smooth, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Like, think about that as you're starting because it, it, it really is true. Like, it's way better to get accuracy first and then get speed versus this idea that you have to like, I had a guy who was the, the teaching assistant in culinary school for the butchery uh, class and he would sharpen his knives before class just to kind of flex on the students. 
And he loved the fact that he was just like hammering away at like on this stone, like going super fast. And everybody thought that he was so cool. But like he had the muscle memory down where his angle was like rock solid consistent as he was doing these quick movements. And if you're the type of person that wants to, you know, touch up your knives on a stone before you go into work, like that can be a great practice for you. But don't do it if you don't. It's the same with working out, man. Like you see those people who just like they do their bicep curls, but they're like, you yeah. know, like doing their back thing. Yeah, they're like they're they're they're, they're heaving it up, and it's just like your yeah. form is your form is horrible, and you're you're gonna cause yeah. harm down the line. And so, um, yeah, the consistency thing, as far as like if 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 you don't mind me t- touching on angles and pressure, like, um, there are there are certain pieces with um certain pieces of advice that that I think are valuable to touch on both of these. So, on consistency, use the entire stone, keep your pressure consistent from the sense of there's one that I there's a piece of advice that I really like that I haven't that I didn't include in my videos which is decide the um, the um, the number of pounds of pressure that you push down and when you tell someone about this it's difficult to visualize and so the the analogy is you take a scale you take your knife and you press down on the scale to I, I believe it's four to five pounds of pressure is what you want and so that gives you a, a, a sense of, oh, this is what pushing down on a knife, on a stone with four pounds of pressure feels like. And then you can check yourself, you know, do this thing where you press it down, you close your eyes, you press down what you think four pounds of pressure is, and you open your eyes and you look. And how close are you, you know, in the same, because it, that's how you're going to develop that, that muscle memory sense. And then the other thing that I think you and I have spoke about in the past is on your harsher grit stones, so your 1,000 grit, your 800 grit, you know, maybe your 600 grit, you want to be pushing pretty hard. And that's like the upper end of that, you know, your five to six pounds of pressure get pressing down on that stone because that's where a lot of the work is going to be done. The, the, the caveat to that is if you're doing a, a diamond stone, a 300 grit, you know, like a really coarse stone, it can be counterproductive to go that hard with that coarse of a grit because you're actually taking off a ton of steel. The 1,000 grit range, plus or minus, is a really good place to spend a lot of your time because it's enough grit where it's actually going to reshape the edge and give you give you a nice bevel, but it's not so... And, and um, so it's coarse enough where it's actually going to be doing something, but it's not so... Uh, um, your, your edge isn't shaped yet, so you don't actually need um, to go gentle and try to get a polish at that stage in the game. And so I thought, like, that's what's helpful for me in thinking about, like, consistency on um, pressure. And then as far as angle goes, well, so there's, a, there's another piece to that, too. I feel like a lot of people miss sharpening the tip and the heel of their knife. They'll spend a lot of time in the center and they feel like they're being consistent there. But it's almost like if you've ever seen a, a basketball player do their free throw, they get the ball, they dribble it a couple times, they like they look up, then they look down, and then they do their shot. You want to have the same routine on your knife when you when you touch it on the stone. And so for me, that's like I do a heavy pressure with my thumb on the heel, and then I do like a couple passes there, then I move up into like the lower third, do a couple passes there middle third, upper third, and then tip. And then I do a couple little like tip tip angle adjustments 
And then I kind of like do a swoop down. It seems so silly. Like someone commented when I was doing a live stream on sharpening the other day. They're like, why do you do this weird motion on the tip? And it's like, that's my free throw thing. That's my free throw thing. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 it's not, it's not even, it's not even beneficial from like a sharpening perspective, but it's, that's consistency in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, exactly how you treat a knife when it touches the stone and you do that every single time. And, and, and that's ultimately what gives you that muscle memory and the ability to like, cause I've had it go the opposite way where I didn't have that heel routine and I would have this issue where my heel wasn't getting sharpened. Cause I would just start on the top lower, like that lower third of the blade and it, my, my heels weren't getting sharpened and, and, and ultimately it caused like real performance problems on, yeah, on the cutting board. So I use my heel a lot too. So it's yeah. important to get that. Some people leave it dull and just use it to like crack bones and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. totally possible. But, but and again, and again, that's per, that's personal preference. And if that's your point of, I need to consistently have kind of like a dull heel of my knife. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, last point on consistency on angles. It's just like once you, you know, I did a survey on my on the channel. Most people use between one and four knives on a on a super regular basis. So if you yeah, if, if you know, if you realistically know how your knives work, yeah, there you go. Exactly. If you realistically know how each of your knives behaves, similar to how people who have like four cars in their garage, you know, like it must be nice, you know, but they know how all four of those cars drive, you know? And so if you can consistently know like, oh, this is how this knife reacts. This is the angle that I have to be careful of on this, on this specific blade, um, you know, then it just comes down to, to that muscle memory. And that's why I talk about um, using these visual references to try to get yourself. It's a, it's a very, it's a learning thing. It's, it's, it's almost like teaching someone how to, how to surf. Like we can talk about it for days and days and days and days and days, but until you get out on the water, like until you're on a wave, um, you're not going to exactly know how all of this knowledge applies in a real world situation. So as intimidating as it can feel, you know, like go buy a $30 stone and a $40 knife you know, something that's going to actually give you that tangible experience and then just start and, and, and go from there. For sure. I love that, man. I love that. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I actually foolishly, um, I even had cheaper knives. I don't know what I did, but why I did this, but when I, I first bought a Misono UX 10, three, four years ago at this point, I still have it. And, um, it, I learned to sharpen on it. So I screwed that thing. I mean, like I, I've, I've since repaired it, but like, I mean, this thing has some serious, like some battle wounds, you know, like I don't, you can't really see like the scuffs and stuff, but now it's back to being razor sharp um, and stuff. But yeah, I love that idea about the Victorian axe. That's a great, great uh, piece of advice there. Um, okay. So we talked about angle. We talked about bevel and angle, their relationship. We talked about the consistency between angle pressure and all that stuff. Um you know, you said something in one of your videos, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said that when talking about pressure on the stone, you think about it sort of like, yeah, you can do the, the scale trick that's become very popular, um, or you can think of it like rubbing your electronic screens, sort yep. of, Yep. right? That's sort of another way to think about it. When, you, when you're cleaning a scuff on your laptop screen and it's a kind of a smudgy, greasy thing, you're trying to get rid of it, but you also want a little bit of finesse so you don't like 
you know, crack your laptop screen. Exactly. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, that point when you see like the, the white form around your finger, when you're, when you're pressing yeah. down on your screen, like that, that's a little bit too yeah. harsh and, and, and completely like really, really good, good analogy. Um, the thing that I didn't add is as you're grabbing my prop again, as you're getting more of your bevel, like finely tuned, especially on asymmetric knives, the common, um, idea is that, uh, any of us who have cleaned our, our windows in our parents' house growing up, you know, you know, you want to kind of like with your Windex, you want to kind of like press down until you hear it squeaking, you know, like that's like, that's actually good. It's not, it's, it's the opposite when you're talking about knife knives as they get up into higher and higher grit, uh, stones, because if you think about it, when you start, it's this kind of like gnarly, edge there's a lot of burrs that need to get kicked up on either end and i know we're going to talk about burrs but it's like you want a little bit of like destruction kind of almost happening in the in the in the initial stages of sharpening a knife on a lower grit stone and when i say lower grit that's like coarser so think like coarse sandpaper and as you get up it's like finer and finer grit sandpaper your edge is actually more developed now and so as you get a finer and finer edge, if you're on a 6,000 grit stone, you have a really thin and freshly developed edge. If you press down on that too much, and again, talking about consistency, if you have a little curve in your stone and you're pressing down really hard and your knife, your fresh edge goes over that bump, it's going to cause some disruption. Like it's going to, it's going to curl in one direction or another it can cause damage. And it's not to make anybody scared that this is going to completely ruin your new $300 knife that you just bought. But keep in mind that as you're polishing, you don't have to push so hard as you're going up in grit. And that helps me a lot because it makes me acknowledge that on my 1,000 grit side, I'm going to spend maybe 60% of, 60 to 70% of my sharpening time. And once all my knives, so I'll, I'll usually do like eight or, 8 or 10 knives at a time. When I do them all, once they're all done with the 1,000 grit side... I maybe have like 25 minutes left of sharpening. Like it's really quick, you know, like it's, it's like 10 passes on, on a, on a 3000 or 6,000 grit stone. If I'm going progressively higher and my pressure is really light. I'm just looking, think of it like polishing, you know, like scrubbing and polishing. Like that's how I kind of think about it. Like if anybody's worked in a kitchen where you have to like, you have to scrub the countertops and then you have to use the stainless steel cleaner and wipe it with a towel. When you're using a scrubby, like stainless steel wool, you know, you're going hard, you know, like you're trying to get all the food off there. You're trying to like, whatever, as you're going into polishing, like that's pretty light. Like you're, you're kind of a fool. If you're like, you have a towel and you're pressing into the countertop and you're kind of going crazy. It's polishing, you know, like think of it like polishing versus you know, sharpening, developing an edge, bevel, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it's almost like my mindset changes a little bit as I'm going higher in grit, if that's helpful with pressure. Um, Because again, it's not the same for every knife, for every grit of stone, it changes. Um, So absolutes are hard to talk about. That's kind of the theme of the video, honestly, is trying to talk in strategic absolutes but also telling you that they're not absolutes mm-hmm. you know exactly. what i mean so um that's the challenge with this video that i'm trying to do so uh, all right we talked about <clears throat> all this stuff here blah 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 i do a section where i kind of compare european knives to japanese knives but um yeah i don't think we really need to go too in depth on that because i i included a couple of things that like i i know is pretty accurate but 
I don't want to like get too, too into that. You know what I mean? So we kind of, I don't think we've actually like fully kind of went in about, about Burr right now, but, or about Burr since we started this video, but, um, actually I was, I was doing research and I read somewhere like a, a, a line that really like resonated with me and it was, I'm going to butcher it. It was something along the line of like sharpening is really just the act of forming a burr on one side of the blade, flipping it over and polishing it off with progressively finer stones. That's kind of like embodies what, you know, you have to do when you sharpen. Would you ag agree with that? Would you not agree with that? Well, so think about what makes a knife feel dull. What what would motivate someone to feel... So what motivates you feeling like you need to sharpen your knives is, oh, my knives feel dull. Okay, so what what does that mean? And and I'll, I'll do some crude illustrations on some bright pink post-its uh, for, for everybody to, to kind of hopefully see what I'm talking about, and, and you can incorporate these if you want. So in a perfect world... We're talking about a 50-50 edge that looks something like that, right? So it's like that's the side of the blade. Your angle is that, and again, that's like a little visual you can use for people. What happens usually is that, and I, I kind of drew this in my in my in my uh, drawing, is is you'll get these little micro chips in the edge because it's so 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 fine and it's actually easier to use my fingers for this analogy because think of this as like a long a long edge if i can get all my fingers to be the same that would be easier but this is your edge like it's it's angled similar to this and as you kind of use your knife you won't be able to see these chips but they're they're tiny 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 chips and those chips again think of it like like that almost do you know what i mean um, and those chips, because they're these standalone little, you know, like think of it as, as like, uh, my middle finger here, my middle finger is, is a chip. There's, there's space on either side of it. It doesn't have enough structure to, to stand, to stand on its own. And so what it will do is it will curl, you know? And so all of a sudden I have these like little curls in, in these, these curled little microchips in my edge. It's not to say that, and, and every knife is different, right? Like, it's not to say that all your entire knife is curled to the left. You know, that's not the case when you're saying my knife is dull. It's a case of you have these little microchips. There's, you know, maybe certain sections of the blade where it ha it doesn't come to a completely pointed bevel that can cut through something and feels sharp. And you'll feel this, too. As you're cutting through certain things, you'll, you'll feel the blade catch in certain places. And when it really catches, like, that's a bad, that's a bad chip. Um, and what ultimately causes long-term harm to knives is if you don't go in and sharpen and you're just consistently honing and honing and honing and honing on a honing rod, you develop this thing that's kind of like this, this weird amalgamation of curled chips. And that's what you're cutting with. And as those get worse and worse and worse, like, that's when, that's when chips end up happening and that's when you can really ruin a knife. So envision that. The, the the burr like the 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 curled edge looks like something like that where it's like there's a little thing that's kind of just flipped up and the way that that feels is is dull like the way that that expresses itself and how it feels on a cutting board or when you're working with food is dull is dullness so when you're reshaping a edge in the sense of putting a this piece of metal on a rock right you're trying to grind those little microchips that have curled away you're trying to, and this, this shows with like the mud that you'll sometimes see, quote unquote, like the steel that ends up getting dissolved in the water 
and not not necessarily dissolved it's more like dispersed in the water right so it's like you have this little these little tiny pieces of steel um in the water that you use on your on your whetstone and so what what's what's happening when you kind of like put this up against a stone and i'm going to try to get it to focus on my face there we go so you'll push this up and it's really wanting to focus on my face huh um you'll you'll push this on one side and and you know because it's on either side of the knife when you do it on one side you're kind of like pushing 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 and now all of it's on this side and you'll feel it if you kind of run your thumb up and it's it's like the ridges of your fingerprint is where you will feel them as you run your finger up so for example if i'm working with if i'm working with this knife and so I'm going to, for sake of this video, I have the side with the logo on it and the side with no logo on it. So if my logo side is the one that's being pressed up against the stone, as I'm sharpening, 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 that's going to flip the burr up on the non-logo side of this knife. So as I take that knife up and off the stone, I can run the prints of the ridges of my fingerprint up along. So I'm kind of like, I'm not swiping my finger into the knife i'm kind of going from the side of the knife down and you'll feel what feels like a little a little ridge on the on on that side on that of the knife that's your that's your um that's your burr and so what you're ultimately wanting to do then is flip the knife over because now you have this but picture the mirror image of it and you're wanting to do it again so you're wanting to remove that and what you're trying to get back to is my original illustration of like that sharp, clean, there aren't any little microchips or, right. you know, like I said, little burrs going on. And so by destroying, by destroying sort of everything, pushing everything to one side will allow you to kind of start from scratch by flipping the knife and polishing that away, progressively working up to finer grit stones and getting it finer and finer, keeping things consistent and even so that it's razor sharp. That's very well said. And that's exactly what you're trying to do from the sense of kicking it up on one side and then on the other side and then on the other side. And as you can as you can see by my, my post-it drawing, once you get to the point where you're actually working the edge, all those microchips have been worked away. And so you, you'll get to a point where you don't feel a burr anymore. And so I think you and I have spoken in, in previous conversations about like you're not actually looking for a burr on your 3,000 grit or 6,000 grit si uh, stones if you're working higher and higher. Reasons you're working on polishing, right? Like it's almost a different style. Like it's a different – you're doing something different on the higher grit stones versus trying same to work on a burr. Same exact movement and technique. The pressure is dramatically decreased and you're almost like – it's this weird thing that you just develop with doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a finesse thing. I, it sounds so, I sound like an idiot to saying this, but it's like true. No, you know what I mean? Totally true. And, and the thing that's, that, that uh, I want people to also keep in mind is there's this common misconception that it's not even a misconception because it's technically true is that, you know, you can do a thousand grit on a knife and it can feel sharp. I think you and I have spoken about this, Adam. What you're actually working with on your first bunch of chives or your first head of cabbage that you're cutting is if you've just done your thousand grit stone, it's a pretty coarse grit. Like it's not, it's not, it's not coarse, coarse, but it's not fine either. And so you have these little like 
it looks like that. Like it's not perfectly straight. It's like just like that. That's what happens when you do your thousand grit stone. And so what you what you're working with is a micro serrated chef knife. That sounds terrifying. Like don't don't like if someone's gonna do that could hurt me. Like I like uh yeah like but but that's the thing though is that like if you're gonna tell someone that they need to do a hack hack slasher movie with something like that like you could really hurt someone with that and it's the same with working with food like you could really tear up some prep with that and, and that's that's great but as we mentioned like these little serrations if anybody's ever worked with a with like a bread knife and you know like my my mom was like stereotype of this she would use a bread knife for everything because it's like it feels sharp like it it can it can bite into food the problem with that is a bread knife you can use a bread knife for a year and it won't feel dull because those serrations are so exaggerated when we're talking about these micro serrations in a chef knife those like we like we talked about exactly like that those micro serrations in a chef knife they don't have the structure to hold up to that pressure of cutting through a head of cabbage or butternut squash or radishes or whatever you're cutting. And so because they don't have the structure, those start to curl. And so you'll have people who say like, oh, well, I just use a thousand grit stone or I use my, um, I use my 400 grit diamond steel honing rod and I can get a great edge, quote unquote, back on my knife. And it's like, congratulations, you've made a micro serrated chef knife. It's going to feel sharp for the next 10 minutes. But after that, all those little, you know, little, little, um, teeth are going to curl over they're going to feel really dull and then you're going to have to do it again kind of you're thing. just going to be chasing that edge man yeah so it's like I, I, it. <laughs> yeah it's like I, I i hate to tell people like because people will insist i'm getting it sharp i'm getting it sharp and in a sense you you are from the, if we're defining sharp as being able to cut through something with ease you know without a lot of pressure because that's you know technically you're right like it's true but at the same token it's like if you really want to build a long lasting edge, you have to think about some of these other things that we're talking about. 100%. A lot of good stuff here, man. Hmm. Okay. We pretty much talked at length about a lot of stuff that I wanted to hit. What, what I'm thinking and what I and I don't know how this is going to be just for a thousand percent transparency here. I'd like some sort of a of a sound bit from you that I can right now instead of sifting through our conversation and breaking it up into this two minute piece, mm. which would be a cool other piece of content for maybe I'll do some other video. Mm. But and I'm definitely going to direct people here because I want people to hear the whole thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I'd like for I'm I'm trying to think of where that's going to be now. I really like the way that you described pressure. Mm. Um, is there a way that I can have you maybe try to talk about it concisely? I feel like one of these weird yeah. producers no, right no, now. No, it's, no, it's, it's good. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, it helps me also think about how I'm uh -huh. teaching people things because uh -huh. I, I want it to be clear and concise from the sense of, I mean, I think you and I have both have had moments where you remember a chef that said something to you and it sticks in your mind, like it's those clear and concise thoughts that actually stick with people and make an impact in how they work. And so, um, tell me a little bit more about, um, detail wise, what you're, what you're thinking. Cool. So 
basically what the footage is, is it's me standing where I am here. I have my hand on the knife. I'm talking about the how your right hand controls angle, left hand controls pressure. Yep. And then I bring the camera up and then I'm like, and this this could be put anywhere. So, and then I say to talk about a little bit more about pressure, I'd like to like phone a buddy. Like we're gonna talk to my friend, like my like chef friend and knife nerd, Justin, to talk about like a little bit about pressure. So think about it like you're speaking to a beginner, um, almost maybe like you were kind of almost redoing that video talking about, you know, how it can be the scale trick. I can, we already talked about that. I can maybe search for something, but talk about how, when you're sharpening, what a couple easy take awayable points for lack of a better term, when talking about putting pressure on the stone and making your passes. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through how to, I'm, really this is an angle, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk about the penny trick. Yeah. And then this side is going to control pressure. This is what you need to know about pressure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I can edit it too, so don't think it needs no, to be No, like no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, okay. I'm a very visual analogy person. And so the, the, the one that I'll use is... If you're thinking about an archer holding a bow and pulling back on the arrow, the so I'm um, hang on how how do how do I how do I phrase this the okay so if you're an archer pulling back on an arrow, the hand that's closest to the target, the one that's not pulling the arrow back, is actually only responsible for aiming. So the, that hand is not touching the arrow. It's not influencing how strong of a pullback that is on the arrow. Think about that as your, if you're right-handed, that's your right hand. So that's the one, it's only in charge of directing the angle by which the knife is sitting on the stone. The other hand, and this is, you know, on the other hand, is only responsible for how strongly you are pushing that that knife, that piece of steel up against the rock. And that's your hand that's drawing the arrow backwards. So don't think, and you know, we, we talk about it as the whole thing is archery in the same way that the whole thing is sharpening, but both hands are doing very different things to accomplish this goal. And as I'm thinking about this, a lot of people fall into the trap of using that right angle hand to influence the pressure you actually need to use your other hand moving constantly. It's almost like that hand never moves from the center of where that stone is. The knife moves, your hand stays exactly where that is. And so the spacing between your angle hand and your pressure hand might grow and contract and grow and contract. But that's all in service of keeping that consistent pressure between the knife and the stone so that you're not getting these lopsided angles. All this work that you're going through to try to learn angles can quickly be undone by thinking that you can keep your pressure on the tip of the knife when you're actually working on the heel of the knife, it's a, if that's helpful. Dude, that was perfect. Cool, cool, cool. The other, the other thing that I'll add, and, and it's something you can maybe splice in, sure. is um, thinking through a lot of people, and this this funny example of my teaching assistant comes to mind when he was like going so quickly because it went from from an outsider's perspective, it looks like that person is, you know, doing pressure, 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 like pressure going forward, pressure going backwards, pressure going forwards, pressure going backwards. 
But the tip that really stuck with me is you never want to cut into the stone. So all your pressure should be when you're moving the, the bevel away from the direction that you're moving the knife in. And the, this is hard to articulate in a sentence because it whatever I say changes when you flip the knife over, right? And so the easiest analogy that I think through is don't cut into the stone. And so... Dude, you said it best yourself in your video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not However, I said it in my video. Like, do it, do it goes in the direction of the spine. Yep, correct, correct, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, just quote me. Just put put a put a put a yeah, meme, meme put a meme quote. of myself over over my face talking right now. I just need a, a picture of your face to like pop <laughs> up, and then it just like, comes through. Like Justin says, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, well. that's 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 exactly what I what I want people to take away from this is because. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing worse than getting halfway through a sharpening session and you still have a lot of work left to do and you make a divot in your stone and you have to stop and you have to get your stone fixer out. You have to polish it down. Like it's such a it's such a hindrance to your process. And it also can, you know, in the worst case scenario, really fuck up your edge. If you come at it with the wrong angle and the wrong amount of pressure, you can really screw up your your edge, which is just disappointing and it doesn't feel good. And so... um to mitigate that completely, like just, you know, pressure goes in the direction of the spine. It's exactly yeah. what, what, what you need. So, yeah, that's uh that, that one helped me a lot. That was one of the, for pressure wise, I think of the electronics thing and the pressure direction of the set. Did you just, did you just like come up with that archer analogy? Yeah, the just top? now, just now. Dude, that, was like a, that was a hot freestyle, bro. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike drop uh, moment. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. It's true though. Like if you think about it like that, People think that they have to like um, influence the pressure with their angle hand. It's 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 just not. It will do more harm than good, in my experience. Yeah, yeah. Something that you just have to get a weird connection with. You know, like it's almost like looking one way with this eye and one way with another eye. You know what I mean? You exactly. Like, we done with practice, <laughs> but you know, yep, it takes exactly. practice. Cool, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you, dude. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about? Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Or I don't think I so. I think, I, think I, I would want to launch this probably the same day that you launch yours. This will just be like, you know, a one, probably I'll trim probably like 10 minutes off of this, but this will probably be like a one hour interview just between you and I, like just really candid talking about knives and sharpening and hopefully dispelling some myths. I think that, um, you know, a lot of the, the knowledge that gets passed around is I read this on some forum or some chef told me this, or I read this thing. And that's what I think about this stuff. And it can cause a lot of cognitive dissonance with people thinking that this thing is actually doing something that it's not. And, you know, everything that I'm trying to put out into this world and I, I am, like applaud you for doing the same is the sense of like actually understand what's going on in a practical sense so that you can take care of your tools. And, um, like that's just what I hope people get out of it. Not, not from the sense of, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm sure you came up with a bunch of myths and misconceptions online and the knife makers that I talk to are frustrated by them too. And it causes people to feel like they, they're not happy with their tools or that they, they aren't, they aren't good enough as a chef because their, their knives aren't sharp. And, um, like I'm all about, providing the the baseline foundational knowledge so that people can feel like they can crush it at work because like that's ultimately what we're trying to go for you know um you know not to not to slander the people who are you know the knife collectors out there but there's a lot of people who um 
will make you feel lesser than because you don't have the right steel or, you know, your knife isn't getting quite as sharp as mine is. And it's like, in my experience, like those aren't the people that are fun to work with uh, in the kitchen. Well, I feel like the point too. It's like, exactly. you, you know what you're doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, yeah, and, and there's a lot of different ways to get from A to B, you know, but as long as you have these underlying this information, this underlying information understood, absorbed, and you can talk critically and think critically about it, then you, you can make it work. You know, whether you position your stone horizontally or vertically, it can be done in so many different ways. And that's another big challenge and part of like this whole thing is that like, it's like, no, that's not how you do it. It's like, actually, no, that's how you do it. I do it this way and we get the same result. So, so it's almost like, um, I mean, even like, thinking through the framework of how you've laid out your video, it's like, the pressure and the angle and the burr are almost these like non-negotiables, like on a specific knife with a specific bevel ratio. Like there's not a ton of different ways to do it. And there's actually an optimal amount of pressure. None of us actually know what that is. Like you could do a bunch of AB testing in a lab to figure out like on a thousand grit stone. Yeah. Like on a thousand grit stone with this steel at this angle, like this is the exact number of pounds of pressure per side based on the amount of burr that's developed to use on this knife. Now, the consistency piece, that's what I'm, I'm, you know, based on how you're laying this out from what I'm, I'm gathering, it's like your consistency. Like, what is your consistency? Again, that's like my free throw analogy. That's like your stone orientation. That's like how many passes you do. Because um, what I tell people all the time is like, we're just, you know, a bunch of monkeys putting tools on rocks. Like, that's what this is, you know, at the end of the day. Like, it's that... It's really what it is, 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 and so it's like, there are only so many ways to kind of do that and, and, you know, bless the people who are getting really nerdy and scientific about it to give us more information to do it better. But at a certain extent, it's like, you just need the thing to cut through stuff, you know, like, um, (laughs) so that's kind of where I'll leave it. Yeah, man. That's a good, I think that's a good break point. Right on, dude. So, um, yo, listen, thank you for, uh, for taking the time, my dude. Dude, my pleasure. I'm going to send you these files right now. Uh, I'll upload them to Google Drive and share them with you right when we get off. Should we do in, like an introduction thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you yeah. How do you want that? What do you want? Uh, you want just like a what's up, folks? My name's Justin. Sure. And I, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. yeah. okay. Uh, do you want to do you, Well, like, do you have a line that you're going to say before? So I said, to do that, like, we're going to phone my buddy Justin in and... Um, and then I kind of described you as like my buddy, a chef and like a knife nerd. And then, you know what? Unless you want to do it, it's not necessary. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to do it? No, I don't, I don't think so, man. Like it's, it's like okay. most of my answers just kind of like went straight into it. So, um, yeah, I, that's I'll how this, it's going to be. Have the, I'll have this camera set up like this all day. Cause I have a podcast interview this afternoon. And so if you need, if you see the files or you get to a snag point in your edit and you're like, you know, it's actually going to make it really cool if you could just do this. Um, just let me know and I'm happy to do it. That's, that's awesome, dude. I gotta, I gotta go to work. So I'm not yeah, sure that's go for it, but, um, cool, man. Thank you. Cool, dude. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. This is going to, this is going to be a fun episode to share. Yeah, um, I'm excited. And if you're willing, um, I'll shoot you the video when it's like edited, when I'll have it as unlisted and you can check it out. And cool. And then I'll, so then I'll put that link in the description, in the description of the podcast that goes out and then I'll go from there. Yeah. Cool, dude. Cool, man. Right on. Pleasure. Talk Please. soon.
See you, see you. What's up? Justin here again, because, I mean, if you're still listening, you didn't not like this episode, right? And if that's the case, I'd like to think that you'd get value from the other work that I share here online. It's all focused on helping chefs and hospitality professionals perform better. If you don't have a lot of time, the best place to start is with the email newsletter that I write every single week called the 80-20 Edge. That's where I share knowledge on sharpening your skills, asymmetric upside, and exploring the industry beyond the status quo. And I say it saves time because I include all of the content that I published that week all in one place as kind of a weekly digest of sorts. Next up, you should check out my YouTube channel for gear reviews, clips from podcasts just like this one, and documented experiences from some of the best restaurants in the world. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about my intense cohort-based professional development-focused course, get coaching from me to help you make your next move, or just support the show, you can check out justinconnor.com support. And if you do support this show already, that's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Finally, it really does help to share a review of this show on Apple Podcasts to help the podcast universe know that people like us like shows like this. And until the next episode, my name is Justin Kana, and I hope you have a good one.